fighting for freedom every day. They are absolutely desperate to pretend the last four years never happened and for them to go back to what they like to do before, which is create these massive spending bills to pretend that it's really, really important to you when you only get about 5% of what's in the bill and they can't do it because we're aware of it. We're paying attention to it and they don't like that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. This is the Voice of Reason. It is a midweek celebration, the post-post Monday, the pre-pre-Friday, the greatest day of the entire week. And welcome into the program broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country on radio and TV and our live streaming and our podcasting thereafter as well. Great to have you on board for the day today. Your Millennial General reporting for duty the way we do each and every day, which you can find us on our social media at Who's Your Reason. You can find us on the website at Who'sYourReason.com. You can find us on the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting sites at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. And, of course, radio and TV places all over as well. So, hey, great to have you today. we got a heck of a show lined up for you. It's a great one. I'm feeling good today. I want to start off with a little story for you. May gross you out a little bit, but I don't care. I don't care. I want you to think about this for just a second. Did you know? News to me. This is, I guess you could be considering this the weird news of the day. Weird news of the day. All right, weird news of the day. Here's something you did not know that you can now live your life completely fulfilled with is the average woman, according to studyfinds.com, or studyfinds.org, I'm sorry, the average woman pops 4,153 pimples in her entire lifetime. I, I know. I know. It. Now you know, and you can walk away in life knowing that you know, so that's good to know. The study was asking about certain things of indulgences or lack of care for women and uh, women's beauty, and uh, let's see, conducted by one poll on behalf of Truly Beauty, the survey also examined the most common skin care sins among women. Skin care sins, including popping pimples, which is 81% of women attested to doing so, taking long, hot showers, 49%, and not washing their face before bed, 43%, and the most common skin care sins that they admitted to. Uh, I'm curious on why taking long, hot showers is a bad thing. I thought that was nice and relaxing and a good thing, but apparently maybe it dries out your skin because it's too hot. I do the cold shower thing, so I don't know, and it, to me that energizes me. So I don't know, but the cold hot or the long, hot shower, I'm not quite sure why that's a bad thing, but those are the sins that they women apparently admit to indulging into with skin care, but 81% include popping that pimple that includes over 4,000 of them in a lifetime. Now you know... And I thought that was quite fascinating. Welcome into the show. We have a lot to get to. Dr. Vermel Green uh, will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Author of Please Teach Me Like I'm a Boy, 10 Steps to His Success in School and in Life. We'll be talking to Dr. Green about the teachers, about education, and about the COVID pandemic, how education has been affected over the last year because of the pandemic, and whether the teachers are prepared to go back into the classroom or not. They wanted the vaccine now, they have the vaccine in most places across the nation. The question is, are they willing to go back into the classroom now, now that they have the vaccine? So we'll get into that here in just a little bit. I'm seeing some social media. Uh, yeah, they just made my day today. So there it is. I'm glad you enjoyed that one. All right. Speaking of education, however, I want to do it in a little bit different twist today. I'm tired of talking about COVID. Tired of talking about the vaccines. Tired of talking about I don't want to talk about the police officer in Minneapolis. 
She, by the way, if you didn't hear, I guess that is the big trending news of the day right now. Real quickly, real fast. What's trending today? What's trending today is that the police officer in Minneapolis that was tried for the shooting over the weekend is being charged officially. It was in court today. It was uh, being officially charged with second-degree manslaughter. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. I don't want to get into it because it's common sense. There was an accident, and there were 10 things that could have been done to prevent that before that actually got to the point of firing a firearm. That was a mistake when she thought it was a taser. But I don't know, maybe having like non-expired plates on your car would be one. Number two, like not actually missing your court date to where you have a warrant out for your arrest could be two. A resisting arrest could be a number three. Driving off could be, I mean, the list goes on, including the mistake on her end of grabbing a firearm instead of a taser. End of story. I don't need to cover it anymore. It was a series of bad misjudgments and mistakes that happened all along the way that led to something disastrous. But it's a political event just to try and demonize cops even more. And Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib has now gone on the statement saying that she wants to banish all cops. So see how well that works out for you. And you're an idiot. End of story. Let's move on. I want to talk about student loans for a second. There's a new push in the nation, along with all the other agenda-driven items from Joe Biden right now in his administration and the Democrats, of wanting to raise taxes of wanting to get rid of guns, of wanting to pass more stimulus packages, of doing the infrastructure plan. Now it's going to be the student loan forgiveness. Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, she sat down with President Joe Biden yesterday and talked about student loan forgiveness, along with many Democrats. Chuck Schumer apparently was there as well, where he's open to a $10,000 student loan forgiveness program. Just $10,000, here you go, just get it out. She's advocating for a $50,000 student loan forgiveness program. Now, what this would do, according to Politico.com, it would wipe out federal debt for 36 million individuals. There's a lot of questions that get brought up if you discuss student loan forgiveness programs. How would it work if people have actually paid them off? How would that actually relate to them? Or do they just get the raw end of the deal? Sorry, you took the responsible route by paying off your debt. But other people are victims and they're not allowed to. So we're going to pay that off. But if you paid it off, then you're obviously probably a white privileged individual and you don't have to worry about it. And we're not going to give you money anyways. Is really the mindset that they're throwing out here. But I want to go deeper than that because that's just the average common sense response of how would this work and how does that become fair in any way, shape, or form. I want to go deeper than that for a second because there's a lot of questions, at least to me, that pop up. There's $1.57 trillion of student loan debt in this nation. $1.57 trillion. Now, if they wipe off all of this money, let's just say they get rid of all of it. I just want to use easy numbers here for a second. Just say they wipe all of it off. They don't do just margins of it or only federal versus private. I would not be affected by any of this. I have, and I let you know before about this on the radio, I have $60,000 of student loan debt. So even if they gave me a $50,000 check, it would not pay for all of my student loans. My problem is as well, I took the responsible route too by saying, heck with you government, I don't like federal student loans and all of my student loans are private, which means even if they did something like this, I would not be affected and I would still have to pay off mine because it's through a private company, not through the federal government. So evil, responsible me taking responsibility of my own, paying it off on myself, that would not help me in any way, shape or form. So that's nice, but I'm a white privileged guy anyways, right? So it wouldn't really matter one way or the other. They wouldn't like to give me that money because I'm just an evil anti-government advocate on the radio spouting lies and conspiracies and everything of the sorts. But one point, let's just say $1.57 trillion in student loan debt. If we just wiped it off, the questions that come up, the first one and foremost is the fairness. What about those that already paid off their student loans? They're paying on them. 
you know, would you backdate it and actually pay, you know, pay us back for some of those that we did pay into? Would you swipe it slate based on whatever is now? How would you do that? There was when Elizabeth Warren, when Pocahontas was running for president, there was a discussion when she was meeting, greeting other individuals and a parent came up and said, I've been saving up. I've given up vacations. I've worked overtime. I've done everything I could to pay off my daughter's debt. How is that fair to me? And would I get reimbursed if I paid that to my daughter and then you end up doing this? She goes, no, thanks for doing that, though. Appreciate it. Thanks for being responsible, taking your matters into your own hand with personal accountability. But no, we wouldn't do anything like that. We're just going to pay off the other ones because they didn't take responsibility. So that brings up some interesting questions. Then you go to the next one. What about if they did try to go after the private business, which it doesn't sound like they're going to, but if they did, like mine that are private student loans, how would that work? How many jobs and businesses would you kill by just wiping out the debt? I mean, it's like a bank, essentially, where you loan out this money and then they pay it back with interest and they make their money off that interest sort of thing. If you close those businesses, how many jobs and businesses would you lose across this nation? And by the way, these are very big banks that have a lot of influence in Washington, D.C. So let's think about that for a second. Are they really going to wipe out those banks and all the profits they're making with the banks, with the private loans that they have out to people that are making them money? Because those are their special interests that are actually benefiting from all of this stuff. you got to remember who's actually advocating for this. The Democrats who love to use government for their own personal enjoyment based on their special interests that put them into office. Republicans do that too, but Democrats are the focus right now. So you know those aren't going to go away. Somebody's going to be benefiting from this. And it's not you and I, unless you actually have the debts and you love to just wipe that slate. I would love to wipe mine clean. I know that, though, I took that out and that's my own responsibility and my own damn fault. What about moving forward? These are all questions that we need to ask if we're going to do this, right? What about moving forward? If you're going to wipe out student loan debt right now, is it just like point A, we're going to wipe the slate clean and just start over, but the, the debt's still going to be the same? The price of college is still going to be the same? Price of university is still going to be the same? The price of books are still going to be the same? Are you going to look at the teachers and be like, hey, Dumb tenure professor, you can't charge $150 for a book for your class. And oh, by the way, you can't change a line in it and start a new version of it so you can't sell it to the younger class after they come in and the other class is done and sell it for five bucks or give it to your sibling. you got to buy a whole new one because they changed the line in its version 2.0 and then sell it again for $150. doesn't work that way. So what about moving forward? What about the price of tuition, the price of living expenses, the price of college? What would that do? Remember, again, going back to the finances, universities, most of them state-run, most of them public through the government that actually gets their grants. They haven't liked this last year of, of COVID-19 because during the lockdowns, they've done virtual, they've canceled classes. And what happened? Not as many students enrolled in their classes. And like a normal business, you would be, oh, wow, less customers are coming in. I need to downsize in order to match the amount of money coming into my business so I can actually exceed. No, they didn't do that. They just raised tuition rates. Oh, darn, we lost 5,000 students this next semester. Guess we need to raise tuition prices because they're the government, not the private sector, and they don't understand profit and loss. They just don't care. They just raised the prices. Oh, we don't need this department because five kids actually registered to take these courses and actually get certified in this class. Oh, darn, guess we're not going to close that department. We just need to, you know, fund it by getting grants from the federal government, which essentially is your and I taxpayer money. So there's a lot of questions that go into if we end up making college free, how that all would work. Because the prices for college are already inflated to an astronomical level. 
Now we say that we have free college and we're just going to pay through it with our taxpayer money. How's that going to work moving forward? Because then the colleges can get as much money as they want to. And we have no say. We would literally have no say. You wouldn't even be able to just say, I'm not going to take my kid there because you're paying with their tuition already just by your taxpayer money. They would have complete control. They already have most control. They would have 100% control of the universities if they did something like this because then they would have control of the the university, how much money they're going to get, how much money each department's going to get, and whether you take your kid there or you pull them out and say this is too expensive, we're not doing it, and it's crap quality, it doesn't matter. Which, by the way, the college universities would be crap quality if it's all free because everybody who had the same degree and people that don't you know, have like a 10-year college plan because they party too much, they would have the same qualifications as someone who got through it in a year and a half because they're super smart, and then they both have the same certification, and then you just water down the quality of the university already. So it's already just a bad deal after bad deal after bad deal, but these are the questions that I want answered if you're going to move forward with this which I don't want you to move forward with it. But if you do, and it sounds like you're going to because Democrats control everything, I want to know how you are going to move forward with something like that and to answer all of these questions. There is one positive, though. One positive. And I again, we're the voice of reason. We try to look at both sides of the aisle. We try to find the positives and the negatives. The one positive would be if you wiped off the debt, then you would have a bigger consumer base in the private market to have more funds to be able to spend on consumable goods, which creates growth in the GDP, which supports small business or large business. You would have more money circulating through the economy rather than paying off debt. That's good news, but how much would of that need to be how much would that take in order to compensate for the debt at the national level that we all are going to have to suffer paying with our taxes? At the end of the day, it's not quite an equal balance there, is it? The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com.
Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program, and here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great Republic. You're listening to the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, you're on. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Wednesday. It's great to have you for the ride doing the thing the way we do each and every day, trying to advance conservatism one radio listener at a time or podcaster or live streamer or I don't know what you call it. A Hoosier-holic. That's what we call you. You are a Hoosier-holic. And you can always become a Hoosier-holic at any time. And we thank you for that by listening to the podcast, downloading things, doing your thing the way you do each and every day, which sign up for the newsletter, become an official Hoosier-holic, go to the website at HoosierReason.com. You'll see the pop-up come up. You say, do you want to become a Hoosier-holic? Type in your email address. It's totally free. We won't spam you. We'll just send a month, end of the month email or beginning of the new month email to you about what we've done and what's coming up, which is super exciting. All right, so all the questions that we ask about the student loan forgiveness. What would this do? There's so many questions to be asked, but they don't want you to know about those. All they want you to know about is, hey, you're going to get free money. You're going to wipe out that debt. And I told you, there is a positive there. For example, if you do wipe out, let's just say all $1.57 trillion in student loan debt, just wipe it out. That's a lot of the economy, by the way. That is a lot of money. I mean, the GDP right now is at like $21.48 trillion. So we're talking literally like a 20th of the U.S. economy right there, just wiping it out. So that's good news in the sense that we would have more consumers. We see the studies that my generation, the millennial generation, the ones that really started with the massive amounts of student loan debt because we wanted to take $80,000 to go on a drinking binge or go and get our degree in underwater basket weaving to some degree or something, uh, that we spent a lot of money on that. And we're trying to pay it back. And because of that, my generation has the lowest rate of home buyers. Our My generation has the highest rate of still living with their parents, even at 30 years old. My generation is still the first one to consider themselves an actual adult at the age of 30. Because we've had so much debt, it is a little bit different situation from what our parents and grandparents actually went through. And they don't quite grasp that. So coming from my generation, I get it. I understand it. I see that. However, there are things that we can do about that. We can try to pay that debt off. We can try to do something productive. We can do something uh, to actually spur the economy. But let's just say for a second that we wipe it all out. We would have that many more, that much more money essentially going into the economy as investment, buying things, consumeristic goods, supporting small business. It would help. The question is, would it be enough to override that amount of debt? And if we move forward, that's where the tricky spot's going to be, kind of the sweet spot for the Democrats. They want it to be free college from here on out. It's too expensive, although you created the too expensiveness because you have the state universities that you control through the Department of Education. If you remember the former Betsy DeVos, former education uh, director under Donald Trump during her hearings with Congress, they asked her not about her qualifications based on educational standards, not based on her stance on education and Common Core or what she wants to see in the com- in the education curriculum. They didn't ask her about that. 
What they did ask her about was how much or uh, whether she would be able to actually handle a bank account worth trillions of dollars because that's how much money goes out to public schools and that's how much we have from federal student loans and da 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 da. It was all money transaction. Are you a banker? Are you good at being a banker? You owned a business and had a business and ran a business that had millions of dollars. We're talking trillions of dollars. Would you be able to handle that situation? So they didn't care about the actual educational standards. They care about the money. And if we're going to forgive student loans, there's a benefit to government for some degree there. And yes, it would spur the economy by having more individuals have more cash on hand to invest in consumeristic goods. At the same time, where's that level drawn between that's an investment for the economy and now we've raised taxes on everybody because you want free college moving forward? We've already sunk in massive amounts of debt with the $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus package. We're already looking at a $3 trillion stimulus package uh, for economic incentive and investment, which is not going to be, but that's what they say it's going to be. So if we do all that another two trillion dollars for student loan forgiveness honestly won't be that big of an issue compared to everything else we're doing it just pushes us to the brink like we talked about yesterday for a transition of the u.s dollar and currency and the value of the dollar but it would also do is what's the devastating part moving forward into the future with free college and the high taxes on everybody to pay for a low quality education from state-run education systems the voice of reason with andy hoosier Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Is the show half over already? Good golly, it flies by right uh, way too fast. By far, the fastest hour of radio on radio. We are all over the country on radio and TV, plus our live streaming and podcasting as well. Thanks for hanging out. Your Millennial General reporting for duty the way we do every single day. We are even more exciting than watching Joe Biden try to climb a flight of stairs. <laughs> See what we did there? That's called a joke. We've covered a lot of ground. Student loan forgiveness was kind of a fun topic, which leads perfectly uh, into a segue of our next topic, which I am super excited to talk about with our next guest. Really excited to have her on as we get into what's trending. What's trending today? So the latest discussion with the COVID discussion has, of course, been schools as schools have been really virtual and closed over the last year. I have a six-year-old daughter. I've talked about that, doing virtual. Try to get a six-year-old to sit there on a laptop and look at a teacher and pay attention all day long. Luckily, uh, Mrs. Voice of Reason gets to stay home and kind of works with her. But essentially, like, 
private homeschooling, but with the public teacher telling the parent what to do so the parent can do that with the kid so they can report back to the teacher so the teacher can sign it off and say, okay, you did it, and then give them the next project. It's been a mess. It's been ridiculous. And now, at least here in the state of Kansas, we're starting to open up, but I know that we have listeners all over the place, and uh, it's different by state by state, but hopefully things are starting to open up in your area. The big question is, is it time, and what has the last year done to our education system? So I'm super super excited to have on the program. She is the executive director of the Boys Initiative, also author of Please Teach Me Like I'm a Boy, 10 Steps to His Success in School and in Life. That's another conversation all in itself that I'm excited to talk about as well with Dr. Vermel Green. Doctor, how are you, my friend? doing well, Andy, just doing sparkling, and so glad, like you said, that those schools are beginning to open up. It's well past time. It is so past time. I read a story that they're calling Generation C now for COVID. Generation C is anyone that's been born in the last year all the way up to anyone that's going to be born for like the next 15 years, like 2040 or something ridiculous. Uh, because of how badly this this virus and the last shutdown of the last year has impacted society. My big concern is how much has this impacted an entire year's worth of education from anywhere from K through 12 and even higher education? What has this done to future generations of education? I think everything is going to be all right. Now, you may say, well, you know, Dr. Green, you're looking at things through rose-colored glasses. But I tell you, uh, I tell you, Andy, I, children are remarkable, remarkably resilient. I think once we get them back in school, once we start catching them up to what they've lost, once we start get, once we start getting back to routines, once we kind of shake the teachers' union loose and tell them to let my people go, let those teachers go back to classrooms. I think we will be able to see that things are going to be ironing out. At least that's my prayer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's our hope. We have to. I mean, I guess if some are like in the middle of their K through twelve classes, we can kind of do some catch up over the next year and kind of you know cram some curriculum in a half and you know, in a school year. So we have that. Um, but it, it's just sad that we've lost this year because so many parents don't aren't able to actually be at home and actually homeschool. Uh, they try to go to different centers. They're kind of on their own and they goof off. I mean, come on. Like I said, I have a six-year-old daughter. Getting her to sit there and stare at a computer screen to her teacher and actually answer and actually be engaged and actually follow along with paperwork and find the papers, it's near impossible. Oh, my. And you're just blessed that it's that you don't have a son, a six-year-old son, <laughs> because our boys, oh, my goodness, I think about our boys mm. sitting in front of a computer screen because that's not how they learn, yep. that's not how their bodies are built, and that's not how they process information well. And I'm speaking in generalities. There are probably a, a lot of little boys out there who did well, sure. but not not as a, as a whole, especially at the high school level, for those young men who have maybe already were on the edge, tuned out to school, all of a sudden I'm at home and I'm expected, you know, mom and dad is gone, I'm expected to log on and sit there for four and five hours every day, and I look out the window and I see my basketball court out on the driveway, you know what? I'm not so sure. Yeah, no, that's a big issue. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the teacher side of this. The big issue that we talked about uh, during the last year, during COVID and in this fall, this past fall semester was the teachers don't feel comfortable going into the classroom because they didn't have the virus. They wanted to wait till the virus. Now the or the vaccine, the vaccine's out now. Most teachers have gotten it. Are they still 
concerned about going into the classroom or do you hear from most teachers excited to actually get back in the classroom, start opening things up and actually getting uh, kids back in there? I'm hearing that most teachers are excited. Teachers didn't sign on to sit in front of a computer trying to teach their children in the way that they uh, uh, have been trained. Uh, teachers, unfortunately, they have to kind of walk lockstep sometimes to their unions when those unions are making the decisions for them. But I think the rank-and-file membership, they want to get back to their children. That's why they decided to be teachers. They wanted to be able to hug their kids, greet their kids, see their kids, talk to them face-to-face, not through a computer. Plus, I'm hearing from teachers that this learning, virtual learning, and combined with the hybrid learning, with a little bit of this and a little bit of that, is so hard, and they would much rather just be back in school, take their chances, make sure everyone washes their hands, cover their faces, wash down everything, let us get back. That's why I'm hearing from teachers. I love it. Now here's the next step, the layer of the onion that goes a little bit deeper. What about the teachers' unions that try to put up a wall sometimes for benefits or for the safety or for the cautions or for whatever? Has there been pushback from the unions allowing the teachers to go back in the classroom? Well, I think there comes a time when even the unions see the handwriting on the wall, that if they don't want to start a rebellion, if they don't want to lose members, especially in those states that have, um, the teachers have the option of joining the union or not, I think that they need to start working with their teachers and listening to their teachers and teachers needing to, to rise up and let them know. And also parents, parents don't realize how influential they are. Sometimes parents think, well, I'm only one parent. No, you get your voices together and you start bombarding the legislators. The mm-hmm. legislators are the ones who have, well, the, the union is kind of have them in their pocket. So the legislators need to hear from the people who actually elect them. And once there's an outcry from parents banging on those, literally, not, you know, not, not literally, <laughs> but banging on the doors of those legislators' offices saying, let my children go back to school, I think that the unions will be more or less taught or, 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 or told uh, to, you know, you need to stand down and let these children go back. Oh, I love it. We're talking, we're talking with Dr. Vermel Green, author of Please Teach Me Like I'm a Boy, also executive director of the Boys Initiative, which you can find online, boysinitiative.org. Let's talk about that for a second with the Boys Initiative. I'm so glad you're talking about that and what boys can do education growing up as a young, uh, young boy because that seems to be the toughest thing. And, and you're right, I am extremely lucky I have a female right now and a little daughter because I don't know how to raise a boy in today's times when we hear about higher education with, you know, the, the, the attack on ultra masculinity or, you know, just the, the rape culture just by looking at a female or, you know, all the discussions that go on today and the attack on boys left and right. Uh, it's a scary world for them. And it's it's scary to see what we're kind of raising with young boys today, isn't it? It is kind of scary, and it's not just at the the, um, upper education levels in high school and college, but it starts even in elementary school. When that little boy goes to school and he learns very quickly that all the things that he loves to do are frowned upon. Yeah. He loves to run. He loves to run around circles and crawl on the floor and, 
and and punch and wrestle with his with his with his friends, but he's told no 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 we not to do that. You have to sit still. You have to listen. You raise your hand to speak. You can't call out. You can't get excited. You can't compete. No 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 we don't compete. Oh no well, and we don't play dodgeball. No that might hurt someone's self esteem to play dodgeball or or tug of war. No 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 we'll do tug of peace. You know we we can't do those kinds of things. And so that little boy learns that schools are for little girls yeah. taught by big girls. He goes through the entire day. The only man he may see may be the building custodian or maybe the principal in some cases, but he sees a lot of big girls, and the little girls are thriving because the teachers are teaching the way that they learn, which is connecting with the girls. And so what we see, not just across this country, but internationally, our boys are not faring as well as our girls, especially when it comes to reading and language arts. Unfortunately, our boys don't have the lobby. They don't have the advocacy groups that girls had, especially back in the 1980s when the feminists rose up in mass saying, girls aren't doing well in math and science. We need to do more things. And so colleges started having more programs. They started to change curricula because they said, this curricula is not very good for girls. Girls need more reading and writing in math. That will help them. And it did. So our girls are starting to thrive. Unfortunately, it's almost viewed as a zero-sum game. If the girls are doing better, the, the boys have to do worse. No, help the boys as well. I'm glad to see our little girls are doing well. I used to be a little girl. I like to see them do well, but not at the expense of our boys. Our boys need advocates, and that's where the boys' initiative comes into. We want to uh, uh, raise awareness, and um, besides that, we want to equip parents, educators, legislators, to let them know that our boys are in crisis. And this transcends race. It transcends ethnicities. All of our boys are doing so poorly when compared to their female counterparts. And we must do something real quick. Amen to that. I love it. Dr. Vermel Green, can you stick over one more segment with us? We've got to take a break here. Uh, but I'd love to continue this conversation because this is fascinating to me, plus the school curriculum as well. So I'd love to hold you over one more segment if possible. Absolutely. I'm here. Hey, fantastic. All right. When we come back, I want to talk about the school curriculum and I want to continue on with this boys initiative as well on trying to, uh, because shocker, boys and girls learn differently and they have different styles and they do things differently. (laughs) I know that's a shock for some and it enrages others, but guess what? I don't care. So we'll talk about that when we come back in. We're wrapping up the show today for the voice reason on a midweek celebration. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. 
And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier Holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program. And here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online. Helping you defend and preserve this great republic. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right, you are. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today, radio and TV, plus live streaming and podcast as well. No matter where you may be watching or listening, we appreciate you very much. Your millennial general rocking it the way we do every single day, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. You're not going to miss the program tomorrow either. We... I was going to do it today, but obviously we always run out of time because that's just the way it goes, being on the fastest hour of radio. But tomorrow we're going to be talking about an issue called eminent domain. That one ring a bell to you. There's a new initiative from the Biden administration wanting to consume more private land in the nation, focused primarily on farmers and ranchers in the nation for climate change initiatives. Because apparently if you just have the government own it, then all of a sudden it'll just get all better and we won't have to worry. These aren't the droids you're looking for. So we'll talk about that here uh, tomorrow. Make sure to stay tuned in for that one right now. I'm super excited about this guest that we have to have her on on a regular basis. Dr. Vermel Green, she is the author of Please Teach Me Like I'm a Boy, also executive director of the Boys Initiative. You can find them online, boysinitiative.org. As we mentioned, I mean, crazy, wild concept, right, doctor? I mean, boys and girls actually are taught differently, but what we do now is, oh, you're interrupting class you're not paying attention and this goes i guess for boys and girls but i guess i think primarily boys you want to go outside and rough house you want to run around you can't sit still for six hours in class let's just give you a riddle in because there's obviously something wrong with you right oh my yes and in fact i read recently how the there has been a surge in add and adhd diagnoses uh during this pandemic because parents are seeing their little boys and some of their little girls just lose it when they have to sit in front of that, that computer and they can't focus and, they, and they're distractible. And so they are running to their doctors trying to get help. And the only way doctors can help them is to administer 
prescriptions for, as you said, Ritalin and Adderall, and those prescriptions have been going up. And what's happening is that when those children come back to school, they just can't stop because many of them have been dependent upon those medications to control their behavior for the past 16, 17 months. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting fall School season. It is going to be an interesting fall school season for sure. I mean, this is really going to be the first uh, welcome and reintroduction back into there. But uh, I don't know. I'm so worried of just moving forward. Now, your thoughts. This has been an ongoing discussion for a while on the class year and the school year and how it should be as opposed to having a long summer break, but doing it all year long and just taking uh, sporadic two or three week vacations or spring breaks or fall breaks or whatever throughout the year, would that be better for students at a younger age to be able to retain information as opposed to going four months without anything and then trying to go back into the classroom? When I started my school, Andy, that's exactly what we did. We uh, had a year-round school. We were in school for 210 days. That means that we ended school in June. We gave them a four-week break, and then they came back uh, in July, and we started again. We gave them a longer holiday break um, at Christmas time and um, at Easter time, but that helped our boys because our school was geared to the way boys learn. And with boys, they are distractible. They tend to forget without that regular reinforcement that, that we were able to provide when they were in school. Our parents loved it because they didn't have to go Um, uh, helter-skelter trying to find a summer camp to send their sons uh, during that long summer break. And then having to, we wouldn't have to, uh, we would have to reteach everything that they've lost over those years, over those months. They call it summer loss. So uh, I think it would be fantastic for schools to adopt that. Yeah, I think it would be a great idea. There are so many things I want to talk to you about, and we're running short on time here. We've got about 45 seconds left. But real quickly, if people want to get in touch with you guys with the Boys Initiative or to get your book, how can they do so? Our book is available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And for the Boys Initiative, we're at theboysinitiative.org. We're revamping our website to make it more interactive, but we still have our old website up that they can connect. And you can reach me at the executive director at theboysinitiative.org. We're also on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and also Instagram as well. I love it. Dr. Vermel Green, we need to get you back on the program. I want to talk about Common Core. I want to talk about the school curriculums. And then, as you mentioned, trying to tailor education back to individuals and not just as that groupthink mentality. Can we get you back on again soon? Absolutely. I would love it, Andy. I would love it as well. Dr. Vermal Green, we appreciate the time very much, and we'll get you back on the program again here real soon. Boy, it goes by way too fast. Way too fast. That does it for us today. Podcast going up in just a little bit. Until then, it's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll be back at it tomorrow to wrap up your week on a Thursday and a Friday. We have a heck of a lot more to get to throughout this week, so stay tuned in. Until then, everybody have a great Wednesday afternoon. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media.